0: This idea of sketching it out first and in the sketching process is the deep dive on yourself and the deep dive on your audience and on the market. And so really understanding those three things as we sketch out what this is going to look like and the problem your course is going to solve. Now that we know exactly the problem we're solving, let's make sure that we have crafted a really appealing offer. And I talk about something called the bucket system here and a lot of different layers to this, which is like a course is much more than just the 25 videos sitting on a dashboard, right? So much more than that. So how can we make sure that we are putting together a really incredible experience for our participants or our students or our members? Then we get into launching it. So you'll notice we haven't actually created the thing yet. We've sketched it. We've massaged it into a beautiful offer. Now we're going to launch it to our audience.
1: Welcome to the Juicy CEO Podcast. Listen... It's time to give you some hard truths, so sit up and pay attention. If you don't know how to stand out online today, you have already lost. In order to create credibility, influence, and real staying power, you have to build a personal brand with some juice. So join me, personal brand strategist, coach, and breast cancer survivor, Monique Bryan, each Wednesday morning as I teach you all the tips and tricks I use to build my six-figure brand while in remission. It's time for you to get to that juicy CEO status by learning from some badass women in business who've been where you are, showing you that juicy CEOs are made, not born. So sit back, relax, and let's get ready to get into the juice. Hello, my lovelies. I am super excited for this interview today because we are going to dive into one of my favorite topics, half the bane of my existence and the other half. I'm like, this may be the thing that gets me retired on a beach one day. Who the hell knows? But we're going to be talking to one of the top experts in the game right now. And we are talking course creation. So I know many of you that are listening are either in this game, hoping to be in this game or floundering in this game. So get your notebooks ready. I would like to introduce you to Gemma Bonham Carter, who is an online course strategist and digital marketer who has helped over 7,000 entrepreneurs launch and scale their businesses. With her two signature programs, Course Creator School and The Passive Project, Gemma coaches clients on how to monetize their skills using online courses and digital products. She helps her clients build scalable, sustainable digital businesses, guys, with a long-term vision and effective strategies that work throughout industries. I'm talking from entrepreneurship, the arts, nutrition, health and wellness, parenting. I love all of this because that means that any of us can get this done. And she was just named by Entrepreneur Magazine, one of the top five businesswomen to follow in 2021. And when she's not giving a live training inside her student communities, you'll find her chasing after her two young kids, tackling her next real estate investment property. Yes. Or Mm -hmm. watching
0: The Real Housewives. Welcome, Gemma, to the Juicy CEO stage. I am so excited! Thank you so much for having me. I'm really thrilled to be here. I love
1: that we became like fast Instagram followers and just like started diving into each other's content.
0: This is not the great thing about online media. It is so good. I yeah, I got your message actually while my husband and I were driving back from a little road trip and he lost me for like a solid half hour because I just went deep into your Instagram and read every post, watched everything. I love it. Oh, I love it. I love it. I did the same. So I'm so happy to have you here. And
1: when I saw that you do course creation and then I like dove into like your funnel to see like what the process was, I was like, okay, we definitely need to talk because I've done so many different things when it comes to building a course and launching a course and Evergreen and giving up and all the things. So I know we're going to get into all of that. But before we get started, I would love for you to tell everybody a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey. I know you used to be in the nonprofit world. So I think you have a very interesting story to share.
0: Yeah, it's definitely one that was like not a linear path by any stretch of the imagination. I thought I would have a career in public health. I went and got my master's in that, started to work for various different nonprofit Organizations thinking that I would work in global maternal health. That was kind of like the vision. And did that for a handful of years and loved, loved what I did, but I had a moment actually when I was pregnant with my daughter and I was driving home from work. It was like, I live in Ottawa, so you know, we're not too far away. It was like the middle of hot summer, sweat dripping down my body, no AC in this car, like windows cranked, my huge belly touching the wheel. And I was like, okay. I don't know if like this nine to five commuting an hour a day on the highway thing, like, is this really what I want after I have my first kid? And I've already been doing a side hustle. I'm a creative person. I had like a home, home decor DIY blog. I was kind of like in the online Ooh. blogging digital space already and just kind of made a decision literally sitting in that traffic jam That I was going to just try and make a go of it. Like, let me see if I can really make some money online in order to not have to go back to this life after my maternity leave. And that's what I did. And I literally, I could, we could spend this whole time talking about all the random side gigs and jobs and things that I tried because I literally, I have done it all and eventually found my way into launching a course. And of course, my first program was not about launching courses. You know, I got started by helping other bloggers do what I had done with my blog, which was, you know, I'd really built it up to this like legitimate hustle at that point and was able to not go back to my nine to five job after that maternity leave. And so I started teaching other bloggers how to do that. And I launched a couple of different programs and kind of learned along the way. And it wasn't until, you know, however many years later that I started to actually shift and pivot into talking about how I then did that, like the launching Mm. of the course and all that kind of thing. I, you know, I've been doing this. I launched my first program in 2016. So I've been doing this for a while. So yeah, that was in a nutshell. That's basically how I got to where I am today, which is now running a really incredible, sustainable business, teaching other entrepreneurs to, to do the same sort of thing. And what's really fun for me that you kind of mentioned that in that intro is like working across industries. You know, it lights me up to like, help people in, funnily enough, like a lot of health and wellness people have come to me. I think I must like something about my public health background somehow must like slip into some of the things that I talk about. And so I get a lot of people in like, yeah, the parenting space or the like the birth space or just health and wellness in general, nutrition, that kind of thing. And so it's it's really interesting. I love what I do. I love this. Okay. I just have to ask,
1: what was one of the most random side hustles that you did? Cause I, it just brought me back to like how many weird side jobs I took before I found my thing. And I'll tell you one of them.
0: Yeah. I mean, there were some weird ones. So, well, I, they were, I, I would say like there's always a theme probably throughout, but like it goes from decorating weddings on the weekend. Okay. To doing like, DIY workshops at like coffee shops in the evening, usually for like moms who needed to get out of the house or something. But like the paint night thing was just like too ugly and hideous. They wanted to make something cute. So like we did DIY workshops. I did that with a friend where we'd like, yeah, craft cute things. I like that. To like building out websites for small businesses because like I had figured out WordPress, right? So like I just knew how to do that. And you know, so-and-so's parent owns oh, like a music store and was like, oh, I think Gemma knows how to do this. Can they build me out a WordPress site to like, you know, so like random tech stuff I would do. So I literally just tried, I I don't know, probably 16 different gigs. Oh my God, I love it. Yeah.
1: And like doing a WordPress site is a huge skill set, by the way. <laughs> I'm like, for you to learn that, I'm like, that's a big one. You're going to fill an entire business on that alone because I've tried to use WordPress and I'm really bad at it. True.
0: However, what I realized is I didn't enjoy it. (laughs) So like there's some side gigs, you know, you do them because they're going to pay some bills, but you know that they're not the thing to keep going down the path of because they're not ultimately what you love to do.
1: And I love that you shared the journey just because like so many people think they always just it's like when they find you at when you're already the quote unquote success and they're like, oh, like almost like it was easy for them or they knew what they wanted to do. And I love that you share just like, It's a windy, twisty, unexpected, full of bump road. And we literally don't even know what's at the end of it until we're actually at the end of it. And not even to say we're at the end of it. We're at a piece of it.
0: Yeah. I was just about to say, like, who knows what it's going to look like in five years? And isn't that part of the fun? Like, isn't it all in just like watching what happens and being along for the ride?
1: Yes, that's the journey, guys, not the destination. (laughs) So let's talk about the launching of these courses, because I know you were talking about different, like working with people across industries. So and I know I had said like any of us can do this, but like, why would someone want to launch a course or a digital product? I know why I want to. But what what have you found that your students tell you?
0: Yeah. I mean, there's the obvious one, which is like a revenue stream, a new revenue stream in your business, one that maybe feels a little bit more leverageable or scalable where instead of working one to one with clients, you are able to work at a one to many kind of level. But there are these other things that it can do for you. It can, it can sometimes like build some brand credibility or some like sort of help you building your status as maybe a go to person in your field when you start to launch courses or even just like get more visible as a teacher or mentor in your space so it can have this nice effect on your overall brand like if you're someone who's let's say you're doing one-to-one service work right now with clients it's amazing to me when people launch their first program their request inbox for their one-to-one services often blows up and like they have a giant wait list because of launching the course and P- and you you just inherently start to speak differently. The content you're putting out is different. You're positioning yourself differently. And it it it's like one of those things. What's that saying? with Like the tide that raises all the boats. Yeah, I don't know. Some going to the top. Some going to the yes. top. Some going to the top. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. It just has this like really nice effect on the other parts of your business too. And so those are really like the main things. And obviously the the majority of the people that I work with tend to be people who are building Businesses around themselves, like it's a personal brand business around an area of expertise. And so this is really, it it just fits so nicely with that kind of business model. And it's so funny because that's exactly what happened to me when I launched
1: my first two courses. It was, yes, it was great that, you know, a couple of people, you know, was like, okay, I'll come into this course that's never been seen anywhere and you've never run before. But because I had to take the time to learn how to be a teacher of that. I spoke about my business differently. I spoke about the things like my methodology very, like I had to learn to articulate it in a way that people really understood it. And it did raise my one-on-one client base, which was kind of like the opposite of what I was trying to do, but ain't nobody kicking money down the street. Like it was great for business. So for anybody's listening and you're, you're thinking about this, like think about all of the other ways it can bring in. And I love that you were talking about visibility in particular and highlighting your expertise. So, I mean, everybody wants to build a course, but really, how does one get started? What's the first thing they should be doing? Okay. That's a big question. I know. What is the one thing? There's like like the first thing. The first couple of things then.
0: Yeah. I think like the first thing is to just really understand. There's a a couple of things. Like one, you need to understand you, your methodology, what you've helped people do, where your skill sets lie, what's that secret sauce that you can bring to the table, what are the parts of your own story that make you different or unique and can differentiate you versus everybody else in your industry. But then also, if you have any kind of audience yet, like doing some market research and understanding what are they struggling with? What are they looking for? What are some things that they would like to accomplish in the next while that you can really position your first product to match what your audience is looking for. I always get the question of like, how big does my audience need to be to even like start to think about doing this? And I, okay, I don't have like a follower count number that I think you need to have because frankly, I don't actually think social media is like has to even be in place for you to launch that first program. Agreed. I do think you need to have an email list going. And I like the number on the email list to be 200. And that for some people, that feels really big. Other people are like, Oh, I'm already there. And so I talk about email list building as well. And, and we go through how to do that inside of my program, but that's a sweet spot number that I have seen people have, you know, really successful first launches. If they've hit that subscriber base, because we have enough of a pool to work from to really convert those first founding students. The other thing that I think is important to realize here is just almost a shift in what you might be thinking of as this course. So although I think when most people come to me, they think, okay, I just want to build out the thing where I record all the content and then I'm going to sell it over and over and over again. And I never need to do anything with any student or anything, right? (laughs) And I'm like, well, yeah. (laughs) So let's reposition the idea here. And Maybe it's shifting the language for yourself. Maybe like whenever that looks like... Sometimes when I just shift it to like a group coaching program, I say those words. It it hits differently for people. And what I have seen be most successful is when you first put a program out there, call it a course, call it a program, whatever you want to call it, and don't go and create it all yet. You're sure you need to put the outline together, a skeleton of what it's going to be, but get the founding students in there first and deliver it live the first time around, because you are going to get such a good handle on what those students really need, how to deliver a great effective course, maybe some holes or gaps that you didn't really realize when you were putting the outline together. And then at the end, yeah, you will have built out a program. There'll be recorded stuff. You can package it maybe a little differently next time around, but this is going to really validate the idea in the best way. Does that make sense? A
1: hundred percent. That's exactly how I did my first one. And thank God I did it that way. I learned so much from teaching it week to week. And if I had just gone and did the way I thought they needed to learn, there's no way it would have been as successful. I wouldn't have known where the holes are. I wouldn't even know what their needs were. You think you know, but you don't know how other people learn. Or even as the quote unquote expert, you use different, like I find just like different jargon, industry jargon and things that people are like, what, what are you talking about, right? So when you can do it live, you can get those questions on the spot, which I love. And you save yourself
0: tons of time. You save yourself tons of time. And I also think it is a much easier sell, right? When you think about someone wanting to opt into a program like that, of something that maybe doesn't have a lot of like social proof yet because it's the first time that person is launching something. Well, if I know I'm getting to go on and get six weeks of calls with this person, like in the group setting, that alone is feeling really valuable to me. That is much more valuable than just a library of recorded videos. So I'm much more likely to be ready to jump in on something like that. And we can have a higher ticket price point with it, right? Because it's easy to see the value. So yeah, those are some of the reasons why, yeah, I think that's definitely the way to go. It's always what I recommend, especially the first time around. I love that. So actually you
1: brought up an interesting point that like having a library and having people go to it isn't as valuable as having that live person feedback coaching component. And you know, there's a lot of stats online that talk about, you know, the likelihood of someone finishing a course from beginning to end is like less than 5% or something like maybe it's even less. I don't even know. So what are your thoughts on that? Like. And is there things that you recommend putting in place to bring that stat up considering like course, teaching people how to sell courses is like
0: your jam? Yeah, so good question. I think there's like a couple parts to it. So the first is this idea of having some kind of live component. And I do think, sure, there might be a time and space for lower ticket or lower end offers that are just fully self-study. That's fine. And I think they work for answering very specific, you know, a very finite thing. Like if I'm looking for a system that's going to help me understand how to do like SOPs for my business or something, and I can get a $200 product that takes me through a system where there's no live component, great. But if there's anything a bit more complex involved, I think that anytime you can add as the course creator or founder of the program, if you can add any kind of live component that does a couple of things. One, gives your students an opportunity to ask questions and get real-time feedback. And number two, can create community with the other people going through the program at the same time. Those are two very valuable aspects that are going to help foster a vibe in your program. And they're also gonna help foster people to go through and implement what you are teaching them. Because if I know that I'm coming for my call with Monique next week in the group, and I haven't done anything yet, I'm like, oh, damn, I really got to get working on this so I can bring my questions because otherwise I'm wasting you know, my opportunity. So there's ways to do that, even though you might be still running it live in terms of cohorts. But even when you move to like the quote unquote evergreen model, there are still ways to do that. Like in my program, Course Creator School, I show up every Tuesday afternoon. So whether you've been in that program for a week or even in that program for a year, You can still come on Tuesday afternoon and get some questions answered and hang with me. And I love it because it keeps me very connected to what's going on inside that community. Inside of my other program, Passive Project, I'm teaching monthly workshops in there, but I also have other coaches in there that I know they're experts in their thing. And that's really valuable for the students in that community. And so we provide an opportunity for students to have Zoom calls with those coaches too. So different ways that you can do this. So back to that other part of your question though, around like the percentage of completion. It's interesting. Definitely you want to do whatever you can to get people moving through the program. So the coaching piece, the call, gamifying it in any way, just making your content more bite-sized, anything that you can do to make sure that... I think once students start to get little wins happening, they're more encouraged to keep going because they're like, ooh, I just got that win. Like if I keep going, I'm going to get more of those. It's like it's like a reward system almost. The other thing to remember though is that, and I don't know if this has been your experience too, but sometimes as a student of a course, any kind of program, I will buy it often for like a part and I just want that thing. And so for me, sometimes I don't, I don't need the rest of it. And so like on paper, it might look like I didn't enjoy that program or I didn't get everything out of it that You know, I should have, but actually I was just buying for that part of it. So that's something to keep in mind too is sometimes the completion rates can look bad, but did you actually fulfill on what those students had wanted? And if so, it's not a failure. Oh, that's really interesting. I never thought about that where. And it's true. I I think of like some of the courses
1: I've bought and I'm like, they presented something in a master class, and I was like, I literally want that document, that template that they're doing. And I mean, all the other stuff is bonuses, but it didn't mean that the whole
0: course was crap just because I never did any, any of the rest of it. Right. But like on paper, they would have looked at your percentage and been like, oh, we, you know, that one, we lost that one.
1: <laughs> she was a goner. She was a yeah. goner.
0: Ooh, that's really, that's a really, that's a
1: really interesting point. So there are, You know, I know there are some people who are listening who are like, okay, who am I? How much of an expert do I need to be to build a course?
0: Yes. So that is, it's an interesting question because sometimes it's people's limiting beliefs and lack of confidence that are getting in the way. And they legitimately really are experts in what they do. And there's just this like negative Nancy in their brain that is just really pulling them down. Other times people might be newer in their space. And do need to build some credibility and proof that they know what they're doing. And so one of the things that I talk about is this idea of like, I always love, if you haven't worked with clients one on one before, I think that that is always the place to start because you want to get sound testimonials, case studies, social proof that your methodology and your approach to solving that problem Works. It, yes, in all likelihood, it probably worked for you because most people who come to me, they've solved a problem for themselves, right? And now they want to help other people do that same thing. But you need to double check that your approach to having solved the problem for yourself is repeatable. We need to be able to duplicate those results. So let's work with some clients one on one. Maybe it's not even the whole gamut. It's like a section of whatever it is that you're teaching on having a one-to-one strategy session with a client that's like two, three hours, and then they go and implement and then have like a check-in call with you after. Or maybe it is like a six call, kind of like large or larger amount of work with someone to help them through something. So I really recommend this idea of proving it out with one-to-one clients first. And if you get, let's say you get five really great one-to-one clients to start and you get some great feedback from that, well, I think you're, you've gotten kind of like, you've got a little bank of proof there that now you can go and maybe lead your first group program. So that's sort of where I stand on that whole idea. I love that. Guys, I hope you're listening. These nuggets, like seriously, take your notes.
1: No excuses for, I can't launch a course. I don't know what to do. She literally is like laying it out for you point by point. And I don't know if she even knew I would ask her all of these questions. I was like, she's pretty much giving you all of the nuggets that you need to know. Hello, my lovelies. I hope you're listening closely because I'm about to come through with the juiciest of announcements. I don't know about you, but I am so sick and tired of Zoom learning and virtual connections. That is why I am so excited to announce that we have just opened applications for 25 badass women in business to join us in Miami in 2022 for the very first ever Momentum Personal Branding and Business Retreat. Yes, you heard me rat. Right. We go into Miami. But first, let's get something straight. This is not a rah-rah retreat or a conference. Momentum is a personal brand building experience. It's a three and a half day hands-on training where we get to work. I am partnering with some of the top experts in The game. I'm talking marketing, social media, PR, intellectual property, branding. And over the weekend together, we are going to show you how to position yourself as a captivating industry leader who gets those premium paying clients and aligned speaking opportunities without a huge following or hiring an expensive PR team. Basically, we about to bust your personal brand into the next stratosphere. Plus, you're going to enjoy a luxe venue with Miami vibes, get that decade and swag bag filled with pampering and business goodies, pose for a stack of juicy new lifestyle headshots, and, of course, mouth watering eats and treats that demand to be shown over on the gram. My favorite part is I've created the juiciest personal brand playbook that you're going to be able to fill out on the spot. So when you leave, you are ready to implement with strategy, confidence, and ease. So if you've been waiting for a sign that it's time to level up your presence and unleash your industry expertise, then this is the invitation that you have been waiting for. So here's the thing. We have limited spots available because we want to create this curated experience for every every single one of you who get into that room. So once the spots are gone, they be gone. So if you know you want to be there, just visit bit.ly forward slash momentum retreat. Now let's get in to the episode. There are so many people building courses now. Is there a saturated area that we should stay away from? Are there certain industries that are going to do that you've seen do better than others? What do you think?
0: Yes. Okay. So I think that ultimately the areas that we see time and time again do well with courses are in the categories of health in all different shapes and formats, wealth. And this is where like business, marketing, all of those things lie or in relationships. And the reason is because this that doesn't come from me. That's just like a well-known thing out in the digital marketing space. The reason is because those three things are things that people value a lot in their life and are willing to spend money to see gains in those, right? Like when you think of what's important to you, health, wealth and relationships are right up there. So those tend to be areas. If your program falls in one of those, you probably, it's probably a pretty safe bet in terms of this idea of saturation. I actually don't think that there comes a point when a market is saturated. I think there's always a way in which you can stand out. I think it's on you to do your market research, to understand what's going on in your industry and give yourself some time to really think through what is my unique voice here? What am I doing that is differentiating my offer from the others that are already out there? What is my unique method or approach or framework to solving this problem that really is truly mine. And then also integrating in who you are, your values, what you stand for, your story, like people buy from people. And so often why someone might connect with me, sure, they might appreciate my Maybe history and like breadth of you know experience in this space they might appreciate my what some things that they've seen me teach on before they think maybe okay, it seems that i'm I'm smart, I'm well spoken, maybe there's some social proof there they're like, okay, that makes sense what they the reason why they buy is because they're like, oh, Gemma's got two kids, she's done this with young kids at home we we vibe on that like I you know our lifestyles are there's something about us that like are, are attracting them to me. And it's because, yeah, we have a connection point there. And so all of the things matter, but, you know, and we have to take them all into consideration. But I do think that being true to like who you are and stepping out and being the, I mean, the brand of your business and, and going deep into what that like who you are and bring that to the table. Not that you have to share your whole life, but I think that that it's that it's important. I
1: I totally agree. I think that like you were talking, like a lot of people who build courses, they're building it around like themselves as the brand. And people want to know that the person they're buying from or listening to, we're aligned. You know, one of the things I find people say, like, you know, people want to be able to say, I want to have coffee with that person. I could see us being friends with that person. She looks like she could be my best friend. Monique, you don't know it, but we're best friends. You know, like things like that. I say the same thing when I find people I totally crush on online. I'm like, oh my God, I just want us to hang out. Right? And those are the people I want to buy things from. So I love that. How can one be sure their course is going to sell? I know you have a sold method you talk about. Can you expand on that?
0: Yeah. So the idea with sold, and we've we touched on it a little bit, is this idea of sketching it out first. and in the sketching process is what we had talked about doing the deep dive on yourself and the deep dive on your audience and on the market. And so really understanding those three things as we sketch out what this is going to look like and the problem your course is going to solve. The O is for offer. So like now that we know exactly the problem we're solving, let's make sure that we have crafted a really appealing offer. And I talk about something called the bucket system here and a lot of different layers to this, which is like a course is much more than just, you know, the 25 videos sitting on a dashboard, right? So much more than that. So how can we make sure that we are putting together a really incredible experience for our participants or our students or our members? Then we get into launching it. So you'll notice we haven't actually created the thing yet. We've sketched it. We've, we've massaged it into a beautiful offer. Now we're going to launch it to our audience. And you know, I tend to use things like a lot of email and webinars or workshops when I go to launch something. Those are my preferred ways of launching, but you can do whatever is kind of like in alignment with how you like to show up. And then we deliver it and it's in. The delivery, like we have to have made sure that we've made sales, we've got those founding students through the door before we then go and create and deliver on the program. And by doing it that way, it's essentially like pre-selling it, right? You're validating your idea. You're knowing that people actually are genuinely going to pay dollars for this offer, this program, this idea before you spend all that time, you know, recording content, creating downloadables, whatever that looks like. And that's really important. It's like, if we were to think about it outside of the digital marketing space, it's like using a Kickstarter campaign. You know, you want to get people to buy in on that product idea before you actually go and get the manufacturing. You don't want to go spend a hundred K in inventory if you don't know that people actually want the product yet. So it's using that same kind of analogy or methodology, but applying it to an online course. Yes. Don't go spend the hundred K
1: before, you know, they want the damn thing. I, love mm-hmm. that. I used to be obsessed with Kickstarter and I used to help people like launch their Kickstarter campaigns. And that was what I had learned. Like, oh my gosh, people will pay for the idea, right? Just to be a part of the thing when it happens, they want to be like the first people in the door. So definitely doing that research and knowing your audience. I love that. So do we have to have, do you advise that people have like a budget for like paid advertising? in order to be successful? Or is this like, because this is something that I have gone back and forth on a million times. Telling yeah. me!
0: Facebook ads, don't do ads. Facebook ads, don't do ads. Please, please just, yes. just, just fix this for okay. me, please. So I, yeah, I do have an opinion about this. Okay, And maybe people will disagree, but I think there are a few occasions people can do ads straight away. And they're very few, okay? It's when you are, it's basically if you're an ads expert. Like that is the only way that you can do ads in the beginning because you have to be so nuanced and really understand the ads platform from the beginning. It's so complex. Most people, like 99.5% of people are not those people, right? So I think the, the best approach, and it's what I have taught all of my students and clients to do, is to do this organically first. You know, find your voice craft that offer, get people putting their hands up to say, yes, I want to learn that, or I want to accomplish that, or let's jump in, deliver the thing, build it out, really make sure that you have a genuinely like validated offer that works and produces results for people. Then later, once we know we have that validated offer, sure, now let's go into this world of, Running some ads, you know, building out funnels, doing lead gen, all that kind of stuff. Also because we have earned money from our first launch of our program or our second, third, fourth, fifth launch, right? Before we go into ads, like, and I want you to take that profit, some of it and put it towards this investment in, in going forward with ads. Because I see far too often people just, it's like they're just burning their money, right? Going to ads too quickly. And I really don't want to see that happen. Back in 2017, 2018, when I started running ads for the first time, I had already launched a program. I think I'd launched it twice by that time, gotten in great sort of groups of founding students in there, approved it out, understood my messaging, you know, had a really great sales page, great emails, all those things. Decided, okay, I'm gonna take it was I wanna say it was it was just under 10K of some of like of the money made from that last launch and decided, okay, I'm gonna make this investment in hiring a Facebook ads agency. I feel ready for that and I'm gonna do it for three months. So I needed to take into consideration like the cost of hiring them for three months plus the ad spend and just decided, listen, if this goes, it was my test in this arena. Well, month one, we lost. Month two, it started to break even. And in month three, we started to turn a profit. And I kept going from there because I was seeing progress. And I've actually never not used ads since that time. I've ebbed and flowed with how many, you know, at a time that we're running. But it's been now a strategy that I've continued to use. But I did not do that in the beginning. And for the students that I've seen who have done it, it just like, it's so much headache and overwhelm. And it's this constant worry about like, am I going to make enough sales to make this cost worth it? You know, I think it's so much harder to get to a really profitable place when you're running too many ads to start.
1: I totally agree. I've done all the different things. And it's so interesting when people... Because there's so many different experts out there talking about, like, it's so easy to run Facebook ads, you know, put $5 here and do the thing. And then you hire an agency, you hire professionals, and they are running so many different ads and ad sets and different campaigns and, and creatives and different copy. And there's so many nuances that they have to stay on top of all the time. When I got to witness that, I was like, oh, my gosh, this is like a whole different language, a different machine. That I can't even believe I had tried to do it
0: in the beginning. <laughs> and had to shut it down quick. Yeah. Uh, we tried, I tried to do it myself too. Like after I hired the agency, went through that early stuff and I was like, listen, I could probably just take a course on this and learn how to do it. Yeah. No, that was a huge failure. And what then I decided, oh, well, maybe I'll, sh- I'll, I had a VA. It's like, what if I could like train the VA to understand how to do that? No, that was also a total nightmare. Like there was no way that that was going to happen. So. Yeah. It is definitely worth going the agency route. And therefore, you have to be financially ready to do that. It's not a small commitment. It's not a small investment. So building up all of your stuff organically first, I think is so important. And you will also... like That will have really allowed you to understand your message and the content that resonates and what really works. Because if you can then go to an ad agency and say, hey, this is the launch that's really worked for me. These are the posts that really resonate with people. Well, then they have something to work with and they're not needing to like totally start from scratch.
1: Yeah, they're not spending the first like 60 to 90 days trying to figure out what works, which is, and you're paying for. That's been and their time, Monique. So (laughs) that's something you had to learn the hard way. So is that one of your, I know you've been doing ads since you found that they work. Is that your most effective marketing strategy or do you have another thing
0: that is like the driving force for making you the success that you are? So I, I always talk about email marketing. It's my favorite thing, like developing a deep connection with my email subscribers, emailing them often and building that relationship there, like I make the vast majority of my sales from my emails. And so that is really where, it, you know, if someone's wanting to pursue this kind of avenue for themselves and their business, I would say like putting some time and effort into really developing your voice and understanding how to do effective email marketing is going to be like, it's going to serve you well for forever. Like it, it, it's something that I, did from the very beginning. And I'm so glad I did. And it's where I would always put all my marbles. Like if everyone took social media away from me today, YouTube channel, all those things, my email list, I could still make money through my email list. I could still connect with my people. And it's definitely my favorite. Having said that, you need to grow your email list somehow. And yes, at this point in my business, I will say that ads would account for the largest percentage of new leads coming onto my email list because they just do work faster. However, that's not to say that you cannot you know, create an incredible avenue of leads into your business using lots of different channels, like whether you're great on Instagram and you can leverage that platform. Maybe you're building a YouTube channel, you can leverage that. Maybe you have a podcast and at the end of every podcast, you're sending people to the email list, right? Through some kind of lead magnet. One of my favorites is visibility, and so like, how can you decide that you're going to like do a visibility tour, or you know, put a strategy in place to show up on a bunch of people's podcasts, to do Instagram lives with other people, to do lead magnet swaps, or be a, a speaker at a summit, or whatever that looks like. Instead of spending all your time trying to figure out ads or like what agency to hire or whatever shift that time into just what are the 50 people I can pitch right now or 50 shows or summits or whatever so that I can get some serious eyeballs on me and my content and go from there. And that can be an amazing way to grow your email list quickly with leads that are free, also with leads that are good and warm. Because when I am referred to you by someone I already know, like, and trust, I am feeling way more invested and interested in what you have to say. Like if I'm listening to Monique's show and I listen to Monique's show every week and I love everything she says and she brings on a guest that I like vibe with and want to learn more from, suddenly I am feeling obviously I'm going to be such a better lead for that person than if I just saw their ad on the Facebook news feed, right? Cause I've just listened to them for 40 minutes in my earbuds. I'm opening that email. I'm signing up for their thing. I'm. I'm such a warmer lead for them. Oh my so, gosh, that's a strategy that I love. I'm like, Gemma, I'm in love with you right now because this, the thing
1: that you said about visibility tour, like, oh my gosh, like this is like I'm already like I need to, I'm going to do an entire workshop on visibility tour because like you're totally speaking my language, but the fa- the way you said it, and then you got my whole brain moving on all cylinders. I was like, yes, yes, that's way more effective than them than, than sitting down and trying to teach your VA on a, <laughs> Facebook ads. And expanding your audience, your reach, your expertise, and getting in front of people. And it's so much more genuine and warm. I love, love, love this visibility. You will be hearing me say this, guys. We may do a whole thing just on the (laughs) the Melanitor. Coined by Gemma. Go and follow her. Okay, so I want to talk a little bit about something... That you've said and I've read around, did, was it that in 2020, you made like $0 and then you went on to build like a million, like 40, 40K months or something? No, no, no. Am i Am missing had no.
0: It's it's that I had no $0 days. Oh, you had so no it, $0
1: days, meaning you so made it, money every single day in 2020? And 2021. Oh my God. Okay. Can you, t- everybody. I'm moving, it's really into, funny I'm moving to Ottawa. Because I'm moving to I, Ottawa.
0: Said that in this tiny like sentence in, buried in a bigger email that I sent at the end of 2020. And a girlfriend of mine who is also like a business strategist, she is on my email list and she wrote me back. She was like, Gemma, if you don't make that the line on your Instagram bio, I am just, I'm throwing in the towel with you. Like you cannot hide a stat like that because it's fire. So yeah, I mean, that. Here's the thing, a couple of things. Number one, making dollars every day in your business does not mean I am having a 5K day every day. Some days might be a $47 day, but there were still dollars coming through the door. Yes. Number two is that I've been at this a while, right? Like I don't want people to be under this impression that like there's some little magic trick that you do and suddenly you are at half a million a year or, or three quarters of a million a year and it just happens overnight. I will never be the person who tries to sell you on that promise because it is not reality. However, yeah, I've been doing this for a while. I have built up a product suite at this point in my business now. So I have some low ticket things that are like under a hundred bucks. I have my my main kind of flagship program that's a thousand bucks. And then I have a recurring program called the Passive Project. that's more like a membership style group coaching program, that type of thing where some people buy in for the year, some people are on a monthly, like a month-to-month payment plan. So it means that as you've been doing these things for a while and you've been leveraging Evergreen Funnels and live launches and making them all work together, you start to... Not only do I make like new customers are coming in all the time through all kinds of different avenues, but I also have payment plans that are stacked up. I have these monthly members, you know, there are some days where I might make no new customer sales, but I have 500 bucks come in from existing like my existing customer base who just th- their rebill happens on that day or whatever, right? And so it's in layering all of these strategies together that would really helps you build out this more like sustainable month over month growth and no zero dollar days. I'm I'm just like, this song is in my head. Money, 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 money. Like guys you're talking,
1: money. That's like this person dancing. I'm picturing like the Ally McBeal baby, like just dancing to this song because I'm like that I love. And I think that's what everybody is kind of like aspiring to do. And, you know, you have been in the game for a while. So I love that you share that piece too. Like guys, this is not going to happen overnight, but having different revenue stream, different levels for people to come into, different options for people to pay and perfecting the what it is that you do. You're not doing 20 different types of offers like you're delivering results in different ways, but it's the result. So that I think that's important for people to understand. And so how did, how does Gemma do this all? Like you have two active young children. My goodness, a lot of my clients are moms. I can't even imagine how hard it is for all of you guys to do this show up here, be there, show up on social, strategize your whole business. Like how do you balance this bit and you're just growing?
0: Yeah. So, I don't know that there's a perfect balance. You know, some days are hard, some days seem to flow really easily and that's okay. I think I at this point in my business, I wouldn't be able to do everything without some team members. So I have, you know, someone who's incredible customer service support who is managing my inbox cuz I do not have a moment in the day for that inbox anymore. So she's wonderful and manages, you know, my calendar and a lot of the back end things. And then I have someone who helps me produce content, who helps me manage like my program the passive project. Two really key players for me. They're both part-time. They both actually are moms also who work from home. And so it's like really nice. We we only meet once a month over Zoom for a team meeting because like all of us we're just busy. Right. And so we're not the tights type who are like checking in every morning. Like that's not the vibe of here at Team Gemma Bonham Garter. So, I hope my assistant's not listening. She's like, Monique, we, we need less time together, less. <laughs> you know, it's just, I think like, again, I attract those. I have attracted those people into my team because that's the vibe I put off, right? So we just, we've made it work and I definitely couldn't do everything without those two. They're just wonderful human beings. And I also think that, okay, well, a couple of things. I batch my work a lot. So for example, my content, I will sit down. I'll do like one week a month where it's just producing the content for the rest of the month. And then the Mm -hmm. other three weeks, I do not think about content because it's done. And so that gives me like the creative white space to whether that is like having more of my calls with my students or working on elements for my programs or coming up with like great ideas, like all of those types of things, working on the sprints that are happening in my business, like projects. I really, that has worked well. It might just be something with my brain. I can't like context switch very well. And so I just like to do everything related to one project at once. And then I think I just also cut. I cut the stuff that Isn't bringing me an ROI or isn't bringing me joy and being really like ruthless about that. And sometimes it means saying no to stuff that sounds really great. It also, I'm an ambitious Enneagram three Aries chick and I would love, like I could work on my business at all hours of the day if I like had the free reign to do so because that's the kind of person I am. However, I know that it's like so much better for me when I have like great balance and when I'm hanging with my kids and I know the things that are like actually important to me, but it has meant that often I need to tell myself that it is okay that I'm not growing at that pace or I'm not so like quote unquote keeping up with like my peers or whatever, right? And being okay with moving at the pace that I'm moving at because that is my journey you know? And so uh, even though people might be listening, they're like, but Jenny, you're doing so well. But like, it's all relative, right? Like I see people who are way ahead of me and wish that I could be like, you know, up where they are, but they're working 24 seven. And like, that's not the life I want to have. So yeah, I feel like there's no right answer there, but that's just me like brain dumping. I, I love that. No, I think that's really, you've touched on some really important points there. I mean, especially
1: just the moving at your pace, moving what works for you. And I think that's something as entrepreneurs, we all have, it takes a while to get to the acceptance of that. I'm like you, like I could work on my business 24 seven. Like if my eyes would stay open and my energy would stay up and my creativity was at a hundred, I would, that's what I would be doing all day. And I would think that I would love it, but it's not sustainable. And being okay with seeing other people and being like, well, you know, that's their journey. You don't know their whole story. Like be okay with where you are? And it, and I think I love that what you said too is like it's okay if you're not growing at this exponential pace all the time. Yes. It's like I think we're told like you need to be like doubling your income every single year and like it goes from 1 million to 2 million to 3 and that's, that's not actually accurate. No. move moving all kinds of different here, there and everywhere. And I think that's important for people to know. So I've kept you here way longer than I promised, but I'm like, there were just so many juicy pieces. I did not want to let go, but I'm going to leave it with this very last question, which is, can you tell everybody something super juicy that you're working on right now? And this could be a business or it can be in personal. What's something juicy that's happening with Gemma?
0: Oh my gosh. Good question. Okay. On the business side, it would be that we are We have given a giant makeover to our program, The Passive Project. It looks so different for 2022 that it's it's the fourth year we've been running it. So it's like it was due for a nice big overhaul. And we have all like it's basically a new program, all new deliverables, a new everything, a fresh look on all of it that I think is going to resonate incredibly well with our existing members and the people who I know are going to be the right fit and joining this year. So that on the business side is my juicy thing. On the personal side, mm, do you have some trips planned? Uh, okay, listen, this is really sad. I had a trip planned for February. It was the first trip since the pandemic of like getting on a plane. And we've done lots of road trips, but not like plane travel. And we booked it. And Air Canada canceled our flights over Christmas. And I'm like, it's not even until February and you are already canceling the flights and they what? just aren't flying to that country. Yeah. Where are we going? Were going? Curacao. It's in the Caribbean. We were supposed to go for I... an entire month and they just up oh. and canceled our flights over Christmas. We just got an email one day where I was like, sorry, your flights have been canceled. And so for like all month? the planet. Planning... Yeah. Oh my God. Wait, are there other airlines? I don't know. I We just like, we're like, oh my God. So we just figured, you know, whatever, we'll roll with it. And we just decided that I think like what we're going to do is instead in February, mid to late February or something, we're just going to look, see where places are flying to and like decide on a Friday and go on the Monday type of thing. And just like go somewhere, go somewhere hot and yeah, do the thing. So, I mean, that's kind of juicy, but also kind of like hella depressing. Oh my God. (laughs) The other juicy thing is that we are actively looking for more real estate. This is like my other passion. So Mm. we just finished renovating a triplex that we bought in 2021 and we've just gotten it rented out. And that has been so fun. And so now we are on the hunt for like our next thing, which I don't know if it'll be another multifamily type of thing or maybe like a vacation rental. I don't know. We watch too much HGTV and I, get really excited about it. Are you it, watching so. that show
1: on Netflix with the with the different like luxury rentals or like the really interesting vacation rentals from all over the world?
0: Oh yeah, I watch all of those. Oh my gosh, I was
1: like falling in like I'll watch it. Like me and Corey will watch it. I was like, honey, we need to go there. We need we need to go wherever that place is. Wherever that place. Is. He's like, just calm down. But I get so excited. Well, I think those are still juicy. I still think that even just having the plan to find a place. And you're like, I'm getting on a plane no matter what. Yes. Like a lot of people aren't going to do that. So I can't wait for the where you plan to go. You must tell me. I cannot wait. You will be going. I don't care what any of these airlines. I want to play these little stupid games. And it changes every day. So take that pandemic. I could do a whole rant on. (laughs) You're not stopping me from getting on a plane. You wish. (laughs) So Gemma, I want to thank you so much for being here and sharing all of your great wisdom. Let everybody know where is the best place to connect with you.
0: Yes. So over on Instagram, is always an easy place. I'm at Carter. You can also find, if you're a podcast listener, head on over to The Course Creator Show. And you there's a lot of episodes you can go binge listen to there. And you can find me online at Gemma.BonhamCarter.com. We have like, if you're interested in launching a course, there's actually a free class that you might be interested in right on the homepage. You can find it right there. I love it. Thank you, Gemma. Thank you so much for being here. We appreciate you. Thank you so much for having me. If you enjoy
1: this episode, then make sure you hit subscribe so you don't miss the juice every single week. And if you thought this episode was super juicy, it would mean the world if you gave it a five-star rating and left a review over on iTunes so I could keep bringing the juice to more people who need it. And if you want to win some juicy swag, I want you to take a screenshot of this episode from wherever you're listening, then post it to your stories. And tag me over on Instagram at Monique Brian underscore co, that's Brian with a Y, and you will automatically be entered to win. Until next time, my lovelies, keep building that brand over a business and raising your juicy CEO status.